Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Discipleship Podcast. On this podcast, we record conversations around Christian discipleship issues meant to inspire your own faith conversations and help you on your walk as we all journey towards Jesus together. We hope that you'll invite your friends to listen to these podcasts and then talk out these issues for yourselves. My name is Rob Schaff, and I'm the pastor of discipling at Sardis Fellowship Baptist Church in Chilliwack, BC. On this episode, I'm talking with John Weber, who is passionate about seeing men in the church grow closer towards Jesus. He's also passionate about social justice issues, and he's led Bible studies in small groups in our church. I've really enjoyed my conversations with him over the years, including the conversation we had in last podcast. This conversation was originally recorded on Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. Thanks for listening. Uh, We are here today to talk through the question, how do I remain in Christian unity with someone who holds an opinion I disagree with? What do you think about that question, John? (laughs) I think it's timely. I've had some discussions with people. One is, what is happening to the church right now with everything going on and all these differences of opinion that are causing separation of people, both personally and personal friends, church against church, uh, we hear this all the time. So, yeah, because we're in the middle of COVID and restrictions and different opinions about, you know, who's got, who's right, whose opinion is right, and then people kind of faction forming and people not being on the same page, having different opinions, and then making it something that they can't disagree with, they can't even stand. I got to say, yeah, I think that this is a pretty timely question too, um, both in the church and outside of the church, but even more so in the church, it seems. And, and maybe that's a shame, right? I think it's kind of a shame. Well, we see today, uh, even in Chilliwack, uh, churches that are meeting against the restrictions and court cases going on. Uh, And who knows how that's going to turn out, but every Christian seems to have an opinion about it one way or the other. And if you take it even broader, you take it to U.S. politics, and that's affected Canada a lot. This week, actually, uh, Brian Stiller, who's... uh, Global, I think he's what I get this global ambassador of the World Evangel- Evangelical Alliance. Uh, he put out an article in Christianity Today How do non American evangelicals respond to the U.S.? Interesting. And uh, I'll just maybe read a paragraph. Yeah, go for it. For the last four years, too many American evangelicals have been caught up in passionate contests about the use of raw political power. This has embarrassed many of us and confused others. Never before have I heard so many people say that they either avoid or despise evangelicals. There there have been bizarre debates, sometimes pitting evangelical leaders against each other. Some self-proclaimed prophets even declared that God's anointing was on President Trump. They predicted that he would win a second term uh, as if this was the word from the Lord. Um, and even up here, I, my Facebook account, people have dropped me because I hold a different opinion to them. I, and it's unfortunate because I love these people. My Christian friends on Facebook will post things that they think is like the, the Christian perspective. And then my, my non-believing friends would post things that they think is, you know, the right perspective. And I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle between those two things being like, I do not agree with anybody at any time. I've been thinking a lot about this question and thinking so much about it that I, I actually had a dream about it. And in my dream, um, I was uh, it was kind of me and I was lamenting to God. I'm like, God, over here on my right hand, I have like my church people 
and they don't seem to agree on anything. And I don't really agree with what they're, what I see on Facebook with them. And and then on my left hand, I have everybody that I, that I know and love that don't believe in you. And, and they don't agree with what, you know, they don't agree with each other. They don't agree with the church. Nobody agrees. And I remember in my dream, I was like, God, like, what do you want me to do? I remember God speaking in the dream saying, uh, well, you know, the, the church people, you need to find unity with them. And then the, the people that don't believe, you need to reach them for me. And I remember being like, well, how do I do that? And then that's where the dream ended. So. <laughs> when we're taking a look at the theme behind our podcast being discipleship, this is a huge discipleship issue. It says, like in John, uh, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, how do we love if we're in conflict? Uh, John uh, or Jesus prays, my prayer is not for them alone, the disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. And it goes on to, to talk about him being in the Father. But then he says, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Mm-hmm. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is a huge issue for the world. We've got to love our each, love each other and show that love within the church. And that is kind of right at the heart of discipleship. And the question, how do I remain in Christian unity with someone who holds an opinion I disagree with? Um, I think that you're hinting at the answer, uh, or at least a potential answer, which is by finding our unity um, in something that we can agree on, which as, as Christians should be... I think Jesus, right? Or well, Mark, love the Lord your God uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. No greater commandments than these. Do we see that being evidenced in the way we live today? That's discipleship. Uh, Life is messy. I went into the and just did some research, and just in a few minutes, I found at least twenty-four verses that are commandments to be in unity. The, the, the Old Testament and the New. This isn't just a New Testament. Um, the, the Israelites were told to be in unity under God. And now we're told by Jesus and the apostles that we have to live in unity. It's a command. It's not a, it's not a maybe. John, I found a quote in my research that I want you to weigh in on. The church is not a religious society founded for the voluntary association of like-minded individuals. When the church exists in this way, conflict is to be dreaded and avoided, and unity is nothing more than uniformity. Tolerance is theoretically valued, but really means nothing more than having patience with the errors, aka differences, of others. Can we differ? Can we disagree over important matters, have real conflict over values, and still be members of the same church? This is a question posed by Michael Jenkins. I think that a lot of people think that church is a place you go where you find people who think the same way as you. Um, and he's saying the danger in that is that when, when you treat church like that, when you bump up against opinions that are different than yours, uh, all of a sudden the, the unity of the church is in question. So what do you think? If you don't believe the church you're going to is aligned with the truth of Scripture and the Bible, I don't believe that disagreement with that is wrong. And I think, actually, I think it's right to, to point it out and, get, and be sure of what you believe and that it aligns with Scripture. But the other side of it is people are people. We all have different gifts. If we align ourselves with Christ's will in our lives, then our strengths and those gifts he's given us 
are going to help bring about unity. If we are using them for something inappropriate, not pursuing the truth, then it becomes conflict within the church. We are all different, and that's what God designed us to be. But he designed it to come together to use everybody's strengths to build a solid church that disciples people appropriately. And that reminds me of a quote from Patricia Kelly. She says, We often confuse this desire for unity with the desire to find what we have in common, our similarities, which would allow us to avoid the work of committing to unity, that of developing a common life. So that's the idea that you're talking about, right? Like, rather than appreciating people's individual gifts and individual personalities and their perspectives, um, we, we don't do that because we feel threatened by one that is different than our own. But what she's saying is that, that you know, only hanging out with people that think the same way and behave the same way and are gifted in the same way as ourselves. Um, that isn't actually the work of building a community that is committed to unity. That's the work of building a community that is committed to being exactly like how you are naturally, right? We're all made differently. We have to discover our strengths, take the time to know what they are, and then fit them together to disciple people and ourselves the best we can. So, so we've, we've established a few things. We've established that it's by design that we're different. Right? God has created each of us different intentionally, on purpose, with different strengths, different interests, different personalities, different perspectives. That is all by design. And then you said um, it's important when it comes to like your theology, that your church theology, that you're in agreement on those things. We're, we have been speaking about this conversation largely in terms of in our church, uh, when there are opinions that we disagree with, how do we hold unity? But of course, this is a conversation that is so much bigger than the four walls of our church. This is a conversation that's been going on for 2,000 years. Um, as long as the church has existed, people have been struggling with knowing how to get along with, with other churches, with other believers. Um, how, do you, how do you hold on to your faith in, in Jesus when a person from the next town over looks at faith in Jesus so much differently than you do. You got Paul writing letters, you got James writing letters, you got Peter writing letters, and you got John writing letters. And each one of these letters approaches um, the person of Jesus and faith uh, just so much differently because they're written to different people, but also because they're written from the perspectives of people that have a different perspective. Now, of course, we believe that the Holy Spirit speaks through each one of these individuals. And I would say that actually um, it's it's through that variety of witnesses that we have the benefit of, of having a fuller picture of what Jesus is trying to, what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us about, about who God is and how life works and all that stuff. We're just talking one small sliver of the conversation here today. You know what I mean? What we're talking about is how do we keep unity in our own church, the church that we go to when our opinions can wildly differ so much. But I think the principles that we use to apply within the walls of our own church could also apply ecumenically, which just means with the other Christian churches. Right now, we've got going on current worldviews around us that affect us in this church. We hear about moralism, relativism, naturalism, which is kind of things just happen, it's random acts type of thing. Hedonism is huge. Get all the wealth you can, and if it feels good, do it. Uh, fatalism, life is hard and then we die and there's nothing. All these things, conspiracy theories are going on and there's people within our walls that are aligning themselves with some of this stuff. And I have to be careful that I'm not. I want to stay in scriptural truth, 
but I don't want to become an enemy of somebody that's that's talking about this because they're still a brother in Christ. That man's my friend. Totally. I don't want it to split me, so I'll, I'll disagree. question is, how do you remain in Christian unity with someone who holds an opinion I disagree with? One thing that's been helpful for me in understanding this question is understanding that there are, yes, what you were saying earlier, there are essential things that we need to agree on, and then there are opinions that it actually doesn't matter. But the trick is that we can get so caught up thinking that the opinions are what we need to agree on when in fact they're not. My one friend that I was talking to, he's in a confessional Christian tradition where they they have their creeds. That's what they, this is the essential to them. Do you know what I mean? What's essential to them? Well, it's on one piece of paper or two or whatever. This is what's essential to us. And the rest is a conversation. John, why is it so difficult for us to have productive conversations around our opinions? Why do we confuse our opinions for essential Christian issues when really they're just opinions? Let's, let's take an example right out of Scripture. And this is an example of how we can disagree on, on scriptural events. Okay, so let's start with creation. Uh, I grew up in a belief with the people around me of seven-day or six-day creation. Then I went off to seminary, and all of a sudden I was listening to professors who have much more biblical study and research into these subjects than I ever will, coming in and talking about seven-day or six-day or... Uh, the other side was God used evolution, yeah. and, and everywhere in between. These guys, you know, have studied scripture, the ancient languages, and everything else, and the, the ancient world, and how people wrote things back in those days. Right. So I sit here and say, you know what? There's a, such a breadth, and this is controversial maybe for our listeners, because they're going to pick their point on that spectrum of, well, this is what I believe, but who's to say who really knows the truth until end times? Sure, this side of heaven, who's going to know? We just don't know those answers. And that, that's kind of a broad one. There's all kinds of theological stuff in there. Take a look at uh, how we should be a part of government. Should the Christian church be populating itself into the politics? Or is our purpose to be something else? We're going to have opinions all over the map. The question is, how do we remain in unity and love for each other so that it shows that unity to the world? That, hey, I want to be a part of that unity because there's something there, something meaningful. Right. What we're saying is, what are we united around? Well, there are people that have chosen to unite around their interpretation of the creation narrative. That is their unity. That is their essential and and I guess what you're saying is, should that be the church's essential? What do you think the church's essential should be? Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah. Uh, he came to earth uh, as the Son of God, teaching us and through parables largely. Then he went to the cross for our sin, clearly stated, and then he rose again. And with him, we can rise into eternity by just by believing in him. I mean... There's, there's the basic gospel story. Totally. Uh, let's, let's center in that. Yeah. Let's, let's have the gospel be the essential that unites the church together. We have to beware of one thing, and we always forget it, and that's the power of, of Satan. We know that Satan is real. 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan may not 
outwit us. We have to be in his word. For we are not unaware of his schemes. The devil is scheming. In 2 Corinthians 11, he masquerades as an angel of light. Um, do not let, do not give the devil a foothold in Ephesians. And uh, James, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil; he'll flee from you. First uh, Peter, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Well, he's in our minds. He's telling us lies. So we shouldn't be surprised that he's attacking the church through creating conflict and division, lies and theories and what have you in our mind that are of no consequence to the the gospel. Gospel calibration, I think, is super, super, super important. Um, Remembering that the church um, is not a community of people that are like-minded about all things, but we are very much like-minded about the gospel. The, our lifestyles, the way that we treat each other, should resemble how Jesus treated us. You know, when, when I think of the arguments that I've been a part of and, and um, that I've observed and that I hear rumblings of, if I were to think of that as a crucifixion picture, who is the person that is on the cross? You know, like, am I hopping up on the cross for the sake of my brother or sister in Christ? Or am I nailing them to the cross and cheering you know, in the course of an argument. And I think that like, obviously the grace that has been shown to us through Jesus dying on the cross is the kind of grace that we are expected to show to one another, even when it comes to opinions that we disagree with. We understand that we are to love people that do not believe the same things that we do believe, but man alive, we sure forget to show that same grace and love to the people that do claim to believe the same thing that we believe when their opinions are different than ours. And I just think that's such a shame. You're, you're right. I'm going to personalize this a lot. Sometimes we always point the finger at somebody else. They're, you know, how do, we, how do we bring them in or what have you? And I think really the issue about unity is personal. It's where we individually stand. Because that, that influences how we react as I've been looking through Philippians and some other studies recently, and as I really grieved over the fact that churches are splitting, the evangelical seem to be going different ways, we're losing, we're, we're a terrible example to the world, it came back to, well, what am I doing? I can't point out to say they're doing it wrong or that pastor, or you shouldn't have said that. What am I doing? If, if we all look at the eye, maybe we'll, that's where it has to start. So it was what I had to do is say, hey, I've got strong opinions. So the first step was, I've got to empty myself of that and say, Lord, um, take away all those opinions that I hold and let me recalibrate around your word. Then I had to pray for forgiveness for the things that, that I've been maybe spreading, some of my opinions, but really aren't that well thought out or fact-checked. And then I had to Lord, give me insight from the Holy Spirit. This actually came from reading Philippians 1. In Philippians 1, 9 to 11, he prays for the Philippian church. And I personalized it. And now in my personal time when I pray, uh, this is my prayer, that my love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So there's the insight element. So that I may be able to discern what is best 
and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So then get into the Word, seek His wisdom and discernment. Once you've done that, it's going to start pointing out the people that have been distanced from you, the people you've had maybe some problems with. So get right with that. Well, if I'm if I haven't got myself right with my brothers because of disagreement over opinion, there's a I got a problem. So I got to go back and take care of myself first. I think that is such a great way to approach this question. How do I remain in Christian unity with someone who holds an opinion I disagree with? And the answer is um First, you have to hold yourself to Christian unity. When believers take ownership of their unity by putting aside their opinions um, to hold on to the gospel truth and to show grace to one another, um, that is how the Holy Spirit's work in the church towards unity starts. It starts in you and it starts in me. And I love that. I love that you personalize that because it's so true. Even listening to this podcast, it would be possible to listen to this as a way of finding more ammunition to bolster your own opinion so that you don't have to make any changes in your life. But that's not what this is about at all. Jesus is the ultimate calibrator of of how our actions don't always necessarily need to line up with, with our righteousness. Do you know what I mean? Jesus was the most... Uh, Jesus is God. He's the most righteous person that ever lived. And his actions led him to die on a cross for us. Yeah, it's Philippians 2, verses uh, 5 and following. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. When we think we're right in our opinions, we hold on to that righteousness, right? We're like, we are right. We have it right. You have it wrong. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we didn't have it right. We had it wrong. And Jesus knew that. But Jesus let go of that and die on the cross anyway. And man alive, that's what grace is. That's grace through and through. And that's the kind of grace that we need to model. Anybody that comes to Sardis or any other church should enter into that church with the idea, I'm in there as a disciple of Jesus to help grow the unity in this church and to appreciate and love the differences that he has gifted our church with. I got one more thing that I wanted to say. In Essentials Unity... In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. That, that last line is probably the one, the key thing, as to the freedom to have an opinion. Because we can debate and walk away enemies or friends. And if you are doing all things in love, you'll walk away friends. Thanks for listening in on our conversation. When it comes to the question at hand, one thing is for sure. As Christians, if everything we do and the way we operate isn't saturated with the grace of God, we probably aren't handling it right. We'd encourage you to join the conversation by telling us your thoughts, questions, comments, challenges, and perspectives. Right now, the easiest way to do that is to send us an email. My email is rob at sardisfellowship.com, and you can email John Weber at johnpodcast at shaw.ca. That's j-o-h-n podcast at shaw.ca. We always end our episodes with some questions to reflect on and to discuss. So here they are. First, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and all things charity. What do you think about this statement? How do you calibrate what you see as essential in our faith? 
How does the gospel of Jesus play into Christian unity? And the last question is, do you have an opinion that you've been holding on to too tightly that has caused disunity in the church with a Christian brother or sister? What are you planning to do about it? Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll tune in next time.